guys, what's up everyone, and welcome to Young Titan World. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. Um, today is not going to be like the rest of the days, or like any of the days, as a matter of fact. This, today is a completely different one. Something that stems from the very bottom of my heart. It's a story, you guys. And if you don't like my stories, chances are... You can just go listen to some of my other reviews, which I think are very epic. And certainly, in your case, not a waste of your time. But this is a story I'd like to tell because I have been through a lot. But in those moments, even when I felt like it was the end of the world, I always managed to get out of it somehow. And after that, the experience would be too painful for me to remember that I would forget them. But being the position that I am, and being the vessel that I am for God, I like to say that I need to tell you this story. It's something that is necessary. Last year, I had the opportunity to travel outside my country, Ghana. It was certainly something that I wanted to do, but Morocco wasn't the target location. I wanted to go to the UK, you know, fun place. I heard a lot of stories about there. And some of the funniest people that I know on the internet are there. So I was like, hey, why don't we go to the one place that I could actually work on my accents at a social level and become very good at it. But it wasn't the way I expected. That was not, for some reason, my name got onto the Moroccan list, which is weird because the Moroccan list is only for those that are selected. You know, they have seen your resume, they've seen what you can do, and they're like, hmm, you're a good fit, so we're gonna put you there. I asked for the, you know, British one, but I didn't get it. And so it was the Moroccan one. So the choices were, I'd turn down that one and probably wait for the British one. I was like, God, only God knows how long that's going to take. So I decided that I was going to go through with it. I decided that in my own knowledgeable right, I would go ahead and do the Moroccan thing. So yes, I do the Moroccan thing. I get the approval. Uh, they start working on it, visas and everything, and it seems great. Very awesome. The entire world is happy. Not really, I, I'm just trying to go through it. So I'm like, okay, Morocco. And even with Morocco, there was one detail that was very very much echoed every time they talked and was the fact that you were going to take up this course entirely in French. And I'm talking head to toe. We're not, we're not talking with a beginner's course in what French sounds like and, and like slowly easing you into the courses that were at hand. No, we're talking about from start to finish, hardcore French, and you don't got to slack. I'm like, okay, wow, that's crazy. How the fuck am I supposed to do that? So at the initial level, you're going to be like, okay, Clearly, I did not train with enough French to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with actual French people 
and decide to graduate, especially when I had my head in over itself, you know, completely out of whack. Um, but I said yes, not because I knew what I was doing, but I decided that, eh, why not? Why the fuck not? So I do. I get here to Morocco and I realize it's not that bad. There are people willing to help you. There is a growing environment and there is the opportunity to be better than you were. So, you know, just embrace the opportunity and try as much as possible to improve. You know, that's exactly what we're supposed to focus on. So I'm doing my progress, development, blah, 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 trying to understand the courses, trying to understand my environment. And yeah, I mean, the stipends are not exactly coming out the way that they're supposed to. But as far as I'm concerned, the students that are already here know what the deal is. So they have a climate. They've They've, they've gotten used to that level of, you know, scarcity and, <laughs> and difficulty. So I also have to get acquainted. And, um, I realized that if I'm supposed to survive in such an environment, it would be meaningful for me to get a job. You know, just something that can help me get from A to B. Something that can sustain me whilst also at the same time help me to make the right decisions when it comes to my expenses because I do not want to be a burden to the people back home who are already struggling with their own issues. And to me, it felt like, wow, this is going to be tough. Where am I going to find a job? Are they going to allow me to go get a job? And, you know, from the beginning to like when I started this, until the moment that I'm here right now talking to you, all of this has been God. The unknowing, not knowing that I was not going to get the UK scholarship thing, rather getting the Moroccan scholarship. It was God who did that. God brought me here. And the next thing that he did was also help me get a job. But I got to tell you, it did not come like, here you go, Sam, get a job, get to take care of yourself in this environment and everything is going to be a-okay. That was not what happened at all. In fact, it was the exact opposite. It was far away. Um, I'm going to say the actual names of the places so that maybe you can, you know, Google it and see how far I'm talking about. Now, where I'm having the classes or where I'm having my master's course is in Fez. That's in Morocco. And where the jobs are, are in Casablanca. Now, there's a distance between them. You know, a train ride can get you there. But um, you can't, like, wake up and go to work over at Casablanca and come back in the middle of the night. That is quite a stressful routine. And I'm not sure anybody would have the expenses, at least personally, not on my level, would have the expenses to go through with such a crazy plan. So you'd also have to go over to Casablanca and get a place to stay over there and work there while you try and work things out. So I'm like super enthusiastic about this. You know, it's like, yes, the opportunity has come. I'm going to get the job. So I go there first time. I don't get the interview. They're like, come back the next time. So I'm like, that's not even the first part. First part was that they wanted a physical interview with me. 
but I couldn't go there because I didn't have any cash. So I'm back home waiting on myself to get some little dough to make the trip over there to a place that I've never seen before and hopefully go see the people who are in charge and maybe they give me the job. So I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. No, it's not. It's absolute torture. So first time they do the interview on the phone and they try to do a physical interview, but it's not possible. So what they decide to do is do it on Zoom. And it starts off like it's one person I'm talking with. I'm my usual self. I decide to explain, you know, do all the stuff that you do in an interview. And then, bam, he just like straight up, straight in front of me, he tells me, you got the job. And I was like, I thought you're going to like wait for me to, I don't know, like figure out. You're going to wait for me to, like, I don't know, get off the phone so you can discuss with your people. But he didn't. He straight up said to me, you got the job. And I was, like, so freaked out because I, even though I was just going through it, it it didn't really enter my mind that I was going to get there. I mean, I kind of figured I was going to have to do a lot more than that. But the lot more was still to come. So, yeah, I get the opportunity to go there. And um, I was late, so I wasn't able to exactly be a part of the first training so they said it's okay i can come back for the next time come and do the training so they tell me to come back next week so i come back next week i'm still late because you know the timing with the train and trying to find the place were all part of it and i could not for the life of me find it soon enough and on top of that when i even got to the train station i got stranded and that's right stranded in the middle of freaking nowhere that I didn't know. I didn't have any money on me and I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Now, you know, on a basis is when I got to that train station and I was like, okay, there's no cash on me. I have no idea what I'm going to do. How the hell am I supposed to get any form of transportation from where the train station is to where the workplace is? Hey, I got nothing. I got zero. Zilch. Nada. Squat. I got the full-on zero. So I'm at the train station, and uh, there's this guy who comes to sit close to me. And he's like, uh, uh, he's speaking in Spanish, you know? And I'm like, okay, I can pretend that I know Spanish. So in the course of that, I try to ask him to lend me some money. Now, in, in view of all this, one would think that a person who tells you that they have a black card, you know, that really expensive... Uh, credit card that you can use to buy almost anything on this planet. Yeah, he says he has one. He shows this to me and I believe him. Hook, line and sinker. And he's like, okay, I'm going to give you the money. You just wait here. I want to charge your phone. And it's like, oh my God, he's so sweet. He's so helpful. He gives me a 20 to go buy myself some snacks while I leave my bag with him. And I'm like, I don't want to do that, though. I don't want to burden you with the act of, um, you know, taking care of my stuff. You're not my bodyguard, you know? Oh, I was doing this not because I was wary of him. I was doing this because I was just trying to be nice. You know, you don't have to take care of my shit. I genuinely feel like since you've given me the money, you should be free to do whatever you want. So, like, this goes on for, like, 30 minutes. He tries to get me to go to the restroom so that he would take care of my stuff. He tries to do a number of things to get me away of my shit. And I'm like, the only things that are my priority are the things in my bag. 
And I'm going everywhere with their bag. I'm not dropping it down for no one, no one, no one. And uh, like all this time, I had no idea that this guy was trying to rob me. Still, I was as dumb as they come in that one. Like so, so freaking stupid. I mean like anyone, anyone could have read the signs that this nigga was trying to get me. But I wasn't. I was oblivious to it because he was nice to me in the beginning. Seeing how dumb I am, I just don't know if I could do this again. If anyone is nice to me now, I'm just scared. So, um, yeah, so uh, it gets to the point where I really need the money. And I was still hoping that he was going to send it to me. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to try and withdraw it and I'll come back. Now, something fishy happened when he said he was going to withdraw it. He started moving around. And you know where the train station is? There is a McDonald's there. And people who are traveling usually keep their stuff around. You know, they put it close to the seats while they go and order their meals, right? So they do that. And he's going around trying to find something that he can pickpocket, something that he can see, steal. I see that. I notice that. But it still doesn't hit me in the head that, hey, this guy is actually a bad guy. We should probably stay away from him. But we do not. We sit there and we wait, hoping that he was going to give us the money. All I was concerned about was the money. So we're still waiting. And he says that he needs to use my phone. He needs to have the code, you know, to send the money to my phone. You know, the, the account number and stuff like that. So I show him the account number and I tell him they should take a screenshot. And he says, no, oh, he's not going to do that. He wants to take the phone and go and do that. So I was about to give him my iPhone. And my iPhone is the iPhone 11. You know, it, it's not exactly the newest brand in 2023. It's not the newest brand at all. But it was the, the newest phone that I got when I got to Morocco. It was a way of me to use a better camera to record my videos. And that's exactly what I did. I got this phone to record more videos and make better content on my social media platforms. And that's exactly what I was doing back then. So before I almost handed him that phone, I said, no, take the other one. And that one was the Samsung A12 or is it A13? I mean, it was an A series. And I handed it over to him, hoping that he would see it and he would send the money. So he takes the phone, goes far off into the horizon, just somewhere I can't see him. And he's like, uh, why don't you come to where I'm trying to withdraw the money so that you can help me with it? So not knowing he was trying to do that so he can lure me away from his bag so that he can come take the bag. By this time, I've already realized it, but it's too late. He's got the phone. So I thought that, hey, maybe retribution time, we can just take his bag as a um, calling card. So we do that. We just go back to where the bag is. We sit there. We call security. But the guy's already gone with my phone. Now, there was a SIM card there that really bothered me because it had a lot of contacts. But I had to let it go. I had to let it go as well as the numerous stuffs that I had it. In fact, I think I remember there, there were a lot of pictures on Google Photos, but I'm not, able, I'm not even able to get them anymore because I logged out. I mean, sure, if I go to my laptop right now, I can find a way to get them. But yeah, without the Android phone, a lot of things seem bleak, especially the kind of apps that I want to use. But that's not the point. In that moment, I had lost the phone. I lost a really important phone because I was also using it for my day-to-day -day commutes. So 
in my mind, I'm like, God is amazing. Because I could have just as easily given my bag to him, thinking that he's going to take care of my shit. Maybe subconsciously I was like, oh, this all feels wrong. But in no moment was I trying to repel this guy away because I needed the money. But in, in, in a way, it was kind of like a good thing. I needed money to go from there to where the job was. And I couldn't find one. The moment he took the phone, the security guys came to me. I was able to get help to be able to take transportation from where I was to where the job was. It must have been, it seems like a trade in for something less, but I was also hooked to some people who are not going to benefit me in my life. And that phone being taken away from me seemed to be like a way to cut them off. And it's amazing because I went there having no idea where I was going to do the job and everything. But in those moments, I found the job. I did the job. I got the job and everything. You could say that it could be coincidental because the amount of help that I received to even get there is ridiculous. Not only did I find a place to work, I found a place to stay. All without planning it. All, all without knowing what was going to happen to me. God was able to help me throughout those moments. But there was one thing that I felt like I did wrong. I stopped. I stopped in a way being grateful to him. Or I stopped in my tracks when it came to how much I gave. How committed I was to what I was doing. I became a little bit lazy and I let things go. And I thought to myself that what I had done was enough, that I wasn't going to push any further, that this is my resting zone, that this is where I belong. That was the first mistake that I made. So I'm there in my head in the clouds, thinking that I was going to do absolutely fantastic in this job. And it turns out that I suck real bad. They start with the training. I was late for the training. I did the course. I, I, I went through the training process. I was supposed to be equipped. But when it came for the test to see if I was actually good enough to go, I flaked. I got less and less better at it. I was not given the answers they wanted. My confidence levels had hit an all-time low. And I was thinking to myself, what, what is going on? I was confident to get my ass out of my comfort zone to a place that I'd never even known. You think by now my courage or my confidence level should be straight off the charts, but they weren't. In fact, they had taken a dive and I was freaking out of my mind. So what do I do? I lose the job. And now I got to think about rent. I got to think about 
what I'm going to do, whether I should turn back. But I didn't turn back. In any case, I still kept going there. I focused on my Twitch. I focused on my social media presence. I tried my possible best to fill in the blank holes, even as I didn't have a job. And I got to tell you, those moments broke me. Those moments made me feel like I tried so hard to get this far and I wasn't even given the benefit of the doubt. And now look at me, I got nothing. But God had a much more interesting plan. You know, God's character development is, is the type that movie directors are not exactly comfortable with. Because it most likely looks like a tragedy rather than an amazing and inspiring story. Because at the end of the first scene, you've already had the main character losing almost everything that he ever had and everything that he ever owned. So I don't know about you, but I don't think a lot of directors want people to feel sorrow in the first moments of their day. But that's exactly how it also felt. I still had to keep going regardless. Although it did not feel like I was energized to do it. It didn't feel like I was empowered because I watched a motivational video on YouTube. No, on the contrary, I felt like an, a hollow shell that didn't know what it was doing, but it was just dragging itself along a path that I wasn't even sure about. I just kept going even though I felt so super empty and felt like I was wasting time. Feeling like I'm wasting people's time, that I wasn't worth anything. And those feelings, they, those feelings, they hit you from time to time. You know, they don't just vanish out of nowhere. They don't just stop working. They exist over every single moment that we find ourselves in positions of change, in a position of growth. The feeling that you're not worthy to be something, to go somewhere, to do something. There's always that feeling that could just pluck you right down and make you lose all that you've gained. But I feel as if those moments where I'd given up and I was still going, at that point, it wasn't me. It wasn't me at all. It was God. Because I felt all those things. And at every point in time, when I make a decision to turn back, I consider it as a form of self-preservance or yeah, preservation, self-preservation. A moment in time where I can look to myself and say that I have nothing to prove to anyone. But I still kept going, even though at that point, I didn't even want to anymore. And that was just... That was just hard to understand. That was a moment in time I couldn't really wrap my head around, but I stopped going. I still kept going regardless. <sighs> so four months in, still trying to figure out how to get another job, make tons 
of job applications to multiple places. All with the motive of trying our possible best to get another job, fill in the blank spaces, and get it okay. But here's also another deal. I am not done with my master's course. It requires me to be in class all the time. 10 class. So in, the, in those moments, you cannot even find a place. You cannot exactly push yourself because you got two places to be at the same time. And one place expects you to be there because that was the main, that was the main reason why you came there in the first place. And the other place is something that you wished to do. Now, on a, on a logical base, you're supposed to return back since the thing that you wished to do is no longer in effect. But I still am there. I'm still trying to find a piece to put together so that I don't go back a failure. So I keep applying. I keep applying whilst I'm losing class and tests. And you know what? I'm not exactly in a room with people who are actually like trying to cover for me. Everyone in that class is every man for himself, or at least every man that is present together. If you are absent, you're on your own. And that's exactly what was happening. Since I wasn't there, they cut me out. When there were, there were tests or examinations, they wouldn't call in on your brother. They just leave me out of the picture and focus on the people that were there. And I couldn't really blame them. When I was there and there were some people who were flaking on class, I was appalled. I was like, oh, vermin. How dare you not attend class when I attended class? I was cocky as hell. But then I got into their shoes and I'm like, damn, these people are cruel. But at that moment, I had nullified all my expectations of them to be nice to me. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. You have not been the first people, nor will you be the last people to be master students. All right? There are tons of people who've got way better shit to do. So I'm still trying to search for a job at Casablanca. And uh, I hit upon this... Uh, this opportunity and whilst I'm there I, I decide that hey well whilst I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to find my way around this why don't we go back to Fez to cover up our asses since no one will do it for us that moment like when Thanos took in the Infinity Gauntlet was like fine I'll do it myself yeah that's basically what I had to do for my own shit so I bought a train ticket and went over to Fez to do some damage control. So I go over to the person in charge of administrations, and I tell her that I have not been present for the entire semester. And she's like, okay, I'll look up your name, and I'll try and cover it up. It's like, cool. All I have to do is take some tests and fill that shit out, and I'll be good to go. So, yeah, I'm trying to do damage control, trying to look for all the lecturers that I missed their classes on. And you know what? There were people 
who were having jobs and were not able to come to class. And so they went through the same procedure. So I was not the first and only person. I was just one of many. And they understood that. They understood that even extremely well. So well that they decided to help me out. And I'm not talking about, okay, we're going to help you halfway. They knew what I was going through. And they helped me out. And so it felt like all this uptightness about having to be in the classroom. They, my, my class, my mates told me stories that could freak you out about a lecturer who's so stringent and about their timing that had to be perfect. If you had not been into his classroom before, you were kicked out. If you were late, you were kicked out. Talking about 50 minutes, five minutes late, kicked out. I decided to test that theory to see if this super evil villain of a lecturer was exactly how they said he was. You know what? He didn't even care. The dude had never seen me before. And apparently when they said that as soon as he comes to the class, whoever comes after him is late and gets kicked out, wasn't even true. A lady walked in later than him and he didn't even care. Every single thing that they said was false. I mean, apart from the parts where, you know, they'd wait for the test to be done and say that there's a test or they'd wait for like 24 hours when the test was going to be done. And then they say, hey, we got a test. Better hurry up and get your ass here. All of that. And I thank God for preserving us and bringing us this far. And every single thing that we knew that was a problem was something that was just made up with words of man. God took care of me. When I, I didn't mention this in the beginning, but when I got to Casablanca and I was even starting the training with the company, I had no place to stay. I repeat, I had no place to stay. There was no crib that I could hang till I found a better location. I was sleeping on the streets, not even sleeping in fact, I was walking on the streets. They had buses that would take people to their respective locations and I would take the bus just to go to some place completely random so that I would take a walk back to where the workplace was in order to go and sleep in the, the, the what they call it, the watchman's cubicle. The watchman's, um, you know, there's a little bit of a stand where these kind of companies are. You just go in there. That's where the, um, it's kind of like a watchtower, but mini tiny watchtower for uh, the watchman. And it, it, that was the place that I actually got to sleep for a little while. I was homeless with no place to stay. And when the people were in charge found out, they decided to let me sleep with some people who were already at the workplace. And it was too demanding for their boss to go to their workers and tell them, hey, I need you to keep up and open a place, uh, get a place for this, my new recruit here. When obviously he cannot abuse his power like that, because who can say no to the boss? Honestly, who can? And um, with that in mind, um, it was getting really tough. So 
in those moments, I felt like I was being such a burden. When they even found me a place and they got uh, to pay for that place, I was still bothered. It's like, oh, wow. Ain't this, ain't this about a bitch? Because I still had to figure it out. This is just part one. And I'll tell you about the time that... About the time... That I had a week to presentation and I had even done anything. Until next time, Young Titan out. Thanks for listening. And thanks for the plays too. If you could subscribe, I'd really appreciate it. No, you don't want to, eh, man. Hope you have a great day.